to Crimes from the East. I'm your host, Pia, and with me is Cousin Alex. Hello, Cousin. How are you doing? Long time no see, cuz. I know, it's been weeks. Just a little over a week, I think, since I got to experience the joy and chaos that is your home. Uh, yes. It's like a circus down here. Total circus. <laughs> I made a I made a very good friend. <laughs> yeah, my daughter loves you. She totally loves Alex. You were like giving her piggyback rides, carrying her on your shoulder all day, and I heard her say, Mashi, you're my best friend. I love you. <laughs> it was too cute. I was suspicious. I was like, what do you want from me, kid? <laughs> And now she's going to expect that from us. She's like, hello, hello, Alex picked me up on her shoulders all day. What can you do, mom? (laughs) My gift to you. (laughs) It was so nice to see you, Alex, after, I don't know, like seven years. It was so good. So freaking long. You still look the same. I feel like I'm aging horribly. It's the, you know, white colonial genes starting to kick in. <laughs> not at all. Not at all, Alex. In fact, you look taller to me. Are you still growing? <laughs> I wish. That'd be cool. You know, if I just like grew tall endlessly until I die, it'd be pretty sweet. Either you're growing tall or I'm shrinking. One of the two <laughs> things is happening. I think it's just so much time has passed. We've lost, you know, <laughs> sizes look different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we'll try to meet up more often. Yeah, definitely. I have to come and hang out with that kid again. She's too much fun. And we have to come see Europe. So we'll meet you in whichever country you're going to be living in. Where in the world is Cousin Alex Mashi? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I should start a show. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, we had a little family reunion. Alex was over in New England, and which is in America. It's not in England. Uh, We had a little impromptu live session on Instagram and we had, I think, like a couple dozen people who joined us, which was so nice. Yeah, that was so cool. It was weird. (laughs) We were supposed to like plan and do a whole elaborate live session, but, you know, we ended up just spending time with each other. I think that was more important than like work, focusing on the podcast. Yeah, Yeah. When we're meeting after like years. I agree. Yeah, we still had a nice live session and we'll do do more. I'll figure it out how we can do it. Maybe do a YouTube live or Instagram live, whatever. We'll figure it out. We have to cosplay somehow if we do that. I want to dress up. Like what? Naruto? <laughs> what, what are we going to do? We're going to be all like different kinds of ninjas. Can we do like goth, goth. saris or something? Mm. Oh, <laughs> like uh, cosplay as Kali? the ultimate goth or just like is there goth indian style does that exist can we do it can we do like goth kurtas i don't know (laughs) it would be a pretty awesome like black Mm. but with a lot of a lot of sequins and like heavy cudgel and stuff uh black is inauspicious it's not considered like sacred or holy or positive in most ways so if you are like wearing all black and like trying to look gothy, you're a, a witch, essentially. You're like practicing witchcraft or black magic. I mean, that's what I'd be going for. <laughs> that's what I want. Indian witch fashion. Fashion. 
And obviously, I'm not talking about like urban culture. Like you can wear whatever the hell you want. Doesn't matter. No one thinks anything. I'm just saying, if you go to a village and like wearing all black and like thick black eyeliner all over your eyes and like, yeah, you know, trying to look, <laughs> you're gonna get chased out. Witchy, you're you're gonna get witchy consequences. Where are you now? Back in Europe? Yeah, um, I'm in Spain for the moment. Um, hit the beach. Did my first beach time today. It was nice. Oh man, I'm so jealous of you hitting the beach. It reminds me of that little vacation we had in Aruba, and I just remembered a really funny story which I'm gonna tell, although it's not related to anything. So the first day when we landed in Aruba, I went up to the bar, like it was a beach bar. And I'm like, hi, can I have a mojito? And the bartender's like, sure. And he made me one. But he gave me a virgin mojito. And I'm like, uh, no, like a real one with alcohol in it. What is this? Why did he just Why? automatically give me a virgin mojito? I don't get it. I wonder if it's the Indian thing or if you're just looking so snatched. I thought that he thought that I was pregnant or something and gave me a virgin mojito. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm not pregnant. I'm just fat. Like, what the hell? Not even. I was That's confused. Ridiculous. Yeah, I would have been. Like, did he think I was a kid? Super weird. What the hell, man? Maybe he just assumed that you were Indian and don't drink. Which is also weird. Shouldn't you just ask? Like, how dare you just assume all yeah, of these different ask. strange things about <laughs> And who orders a virgin cocktail without specifying that they want it virgin? Maybe he just forgot. <laughs> Crazy guy. Well, cheers to that. Cheers to beaches and having good times on beaches. Hope everyone gets some, gets some sun this summer. Take time for yourself. Yeah, even if it's a virtual beach in a video game. Take some time mm -hmm, for yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let us hop on over to our case today all right what do we got i'm calling this the neymar family murders i think i mean i don't know if i'll change the name to something more dramatic but this is what i'm calling it for now today's case takes place in the indian state of madhya pradesh you know i'm not entirely sure if we've covered anything from madhya pradesh before i know for a fact that when we spoke about mowgli and the jungle book it was madhya pradesh we were talking about can I ask a perhaps ignorance-revealing question? What does Pradesh mean? Because we have many Pradeshes. It means province, region, state. You know, something to that effect? Okay, so just for all of the dummies like me who don't know, there are many Pradeshes and that's what it means. <laughs> yeah, there's also Himachal Pradesh, Andhra Pradesh... Uttar Pradesh and Madhya Pradesh is the centralmost state in India. Which is where we are today. Yes, that, that's where our case takes place. Now, this is a case where despite the murder of five people, including three minors, the culprits were shielded from investigation and prosecution because of religious discrimination. Yes, there was allegedly a fiery love affair and increasingly troubling actions by two lovers when things started to go sour. But also, this case shows us a glimpse about the practice of religion or culture or tradition in unsavory and inhuman ways, where one group considers themselves above the other simply by virtue of birth. When the lives and deaths of a people are considered less than, we are pulled back 
as a country into the dark ages of inequality. And while I don't want to dwell too much on that, I do want to stress that it definitely was a factor. So, okay, before we dive into this murky case, let's take a little breather and look at the state of Madhya Pradesh because it helps, you know, to focus on good things first before things get a little difficult to talk about. Yeah. Paint us the landscape, Pia. I want to make up for our lack of coverage of Uttar Pradesh in our last episode. So I made sure to find some fun tidbits about Madhya Pradesh. It is geographically located in the middle of India. It is the fifth largest state in the country. It is rich in minerals and metals, diamonds and copper especially. And our moms grew up here, Alex. Yeah. Our grandfather, or Dadu as we called him, worked in the mining industry. Mostly in Madhya Pradesh. So he was posted in a bunch of places mm. all over the state. Rachi, Kandwa, Bukaro, all beautiful places. And since he worked, I think, in coal mines especially, mm-hmm. I remember there was always a huge mountain of coal in their backyard. And I loved that, the smell of charcoal. It was so nice. Mm. And yeah, these are beautiful places, especially back in the 80s. There were mountains and forests and talks of tigers you know, out in the back. If don't go out alone, a tiger will get you. I don't know how real it was, but yeah, that was definitely the vibe out there then. Madhya Pradesh has some decently developed big cities too, like Indore, which is considered India's cleanest city. Have you ever been? I have, because Mama used to live there, Alex. Oh, okay. Yeah. Her uncle used to live there. Gwalior is another big state in Madhya Pradesh, Jabalpur and Bhopal. Each city has its own local vibe, slight shift in dialect, and mouth-watering snack cultures. Oh no, this is the part of this episode where I get hungry. Okay, I'll tell you about one that's really particularly famous or popular in Madhya Pradesh. It's called Gajak Laia or Chikki, which is a crispy winter snack made from sesame seeds and jaggery. The jaggery is boiled, pulled like toffee on a hook, uh-huh. mixed with sesame seeds and then pounded with huge mallets by hand to make crispy brittle squares. And this is one mm. of my favorite snacks, Alex. I believe I gave you a couple of packs of chicken. Yeah, you sent me with some. <laughs> we already broke into it as we left the house. <laughs> They're delicious. It did not last very long. Mm-hmm. You know, the lifeblood of every civilization is typically a benevolent river and in Madhya Pradesh the mighty river Narmada flows through the state and like we know wherever there's a river civilizations of humans will follow and so Madhya Pradesh has been bustling since the stone age cool and I'm sure there were people before that too but at least there's proof since the stone age Bimbetka caves have rock paintings and carvings from the Mesolithic era which is 10,000 BCE wow Yeah, that's nuts. Whenever I think of like early man, I never place them in my head in India. That far. I'm always thinking of them in like Croatia or Germany or like even America or Australia. I never think of India. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Like in our history books, in our textbooks, we were never taught enough about the ancient or Mesolithic history of India. There are more than 700 shelters in this area. So cave systems that were converted into shelters and 500 paintings in these majestic caves 
that span a couple of kilometers. Yeah, it is interesting how, like, when you think of ancient, the first thing that comes to mind for me, which I feel like is so basic, is like Egypt or yeah, like you said, like Stonehenge, like Neolithic,、mm-hmm. European, or whatever.、Yeah. But there's also like. All over South America, all over South and Southeast Asia, like China has the whole world has、mm-hmm. a, a long storied human history. Because we just think of ancient India, like starting from when there were kings and you know civilized kingdoms. Well, they、yeah. didn't just drop out of nowhere. <laughs> no, they had to come from something. So, an ancient pillar found in Vidisha, Madhya Pradesh, has Brahmi script. Inscriptions on it from 2,000 years ago, naming an Indo-Greek ambassador Heliodorus as the benefactor of the pillar. This shows good diplomatic ties between the central province and the Greek-controlled province Takshashila, which is now in Rawalpindi, Pakistan. And this was once ruled by Alexander the Great. That's the other thing that's kind of cool to think about. It's not like we. Have just connected the whole world together. Although, like this is the most like efficient and modern version of globalization, but there were trade routes and slave routes and spice routes, spice routes, and like the the mixing has been happening for a long time. India and the Indian subcontinent was so mineral rich, spice rich, culture rich. There were visitors from all over the world trying to get the goods. And that's when the stupid colonizers came a calling. Anyway, the ancient city of Ujjain in Madhya Pradesh flourished 2,300 years ago under several different rulers of the Avanti Kingdom. Then the Mauryas, the Guptas, the Malvas, and so on. Basically, every significant kingdom in northern India conquered and ruled over this province for some time because it was. Culturally rich and biodiverse, resource laden, perfect for large cities. It had all the right、um, ingredients, basically, for a prosperous kingdom. The world famous Kajurao temples are located in Madhya Pradesh, and these are around nine hundred to like a thousand years old. So I'm instantly interested, of course, <laughs> and are mostly popular because of a small section, like twenty percent, of the walls of. Particular temples containing highly erotic sculptures. Ooh la la! Now, typically on ancient temples, you see couples embracing or kissing, but on these walls, there's a lot more going on, and、uh, no one knows exactly why they were made by the Chandela dynasty. Some say it was to tempt young men away from monkhood, which was becoming popular then, owing to Jainism and Buddhism. Some say that this was made to boast the local population. It was the public porn house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who needs Pornhub? Just go to the temple. Go to the find temple. Find a corner. <laughs> Yikes. Some say it depicts the tantric practice of sex magic rituals that were popular back in the day. There is no record of why they were made、yeah. the way they were made. They are unusual so far. Like we don't see stuff like this in other temples, so I've never, I've never been there. Maybe someday I'll visit. We'll see. Maybe I've been there because I there are other temples with erotic carvings somewhere though. Because I remember specifically going to a temple somewhere in India as a kid and being like, "Wow, there are really explicit carvings happening here." 
<laughs> you probably have been there then, Alec. Okay. MP has 10 national parks, including Kanha, Panna, Bandavgarh, and Pinch, where our moms lived when they were kids. That's where the whole Mowgli story Pinch. comes from. Pinch. Right. Since this region has been inhabited for thousands of years, there are still huge populations of tribal communities in MP, like the Gond, Bhil, Korku, and Bega people. Now, these groups have suffered discrimination through the ages and still face a tremendous battle to claim their right under the sun. While the Constitution of India provides for the protection of scheduled castes and tribes and severely punishes hate crimes against them, it does not stop people from exploiting them, denying them dignity and basic human rights. When no crime is allowed to be reported, then how will there be any punishment? Mm. So it is systemic. And it exists only because people support each other in that exploitation. And so on that note, let's jump into today's case of the Neymar family murders. In July of 2021, so this is a recent case, probably bang in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Bharti Kaste was praying for the safe return of her whole family. They had gone missing two months ago and something in the pit of her stomach was telling her, that they wouldn't be coming back. Bharti's mother, Mamta Bai, 45, sister Rupali, 21, sister Divya, 14, and cousins Pooja and Pavan Oswal, 15 and 14-year-old, had not been seen or heard from since mid-May. All she had were increasingly erratic and strange-sounding messages from Rupali's phone. The cops had been lackadaisical in their investigation and still hadn't named a main suspect or taken anyone into custody. This shouldn't have taken them so long because they could have traced Rupali's phone. She was getting messages, right? And it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. Where could the family have gone? And I don't know if how things exactly work, but from what I've seen in the shows and the movies, like they have really good cyber cells in India. Yeah. They just need to give a number to the cyber cell with the warrant, which doesn't take that long. And bam, mm -hmm. they'll tell you exactly where the phone is. Yeah, what was the holdup? This is how Cyanide Mohan was eventually apprehended, was through cell phone tracking. Mm -hmm. Now, Rupali was a young woman who lived with her family in the small town of Nemawar. They were a simple family living within very modest means. Mamta Bai had three children to take care of. Her husband Mohan Lal worked and lived in a different city, in Indore. Rupali's cousins, Pawan and Pooja, also stayed with them. The eldest daughter of Mamta Bai, Bharti, worked and lived in Pritampur. And Mamta Bai's brother, Santosh, who typically also lived with them, worked in Goa. So at home, it was Mamta Bai, Divya, Rupali, and the two cousins, Pawan and Pooja. Rupali had been in a relationship for more than two years with a man called Surendra Chauhan, their landlord. Oh, his family owned farmlands around their home and they were both economically and socially at a higher station than Srupali and her family. Mm -hmm. He belonged to the Rajput clan and she was from an Adivasi or tribal community. Specifically, they were from the Gond tribe. Like we saw in the Shabnam and Salim case, there are unwritten rules of caste and clan that a lot of regressive Indians follow even today. I grew up thinking this was an ancient system that was followed like thousands of years ago i had no idea people still do this shit like still seriously this, yeah i grew up in a bubble i never saw my parents 
treat anyone this way. So I didn't even know it was real. Yeah. It was a huge shock, basically, to me. A relationship between Rupali and Surendra would never be acceptable to his family or to other members of his community. If there is true love, people will find a way to make it work. But this was not love. This was a case of a man from an upper caste simply taking advantage of a woman from a marginalized caste, often exploited and considered less than by his community. Surendra had been stringing Rupali along for these three years, telling her he loved her, vaguely alluding to marriage in the future, all this so he could exploit her for physical relations. And let me reiterate something from past episodes. In India, this is considered rape. We'll talk about this a little bit after the case. Okay, yeah, I need a refresher on that. I would just like to put a little side note in there. I feel like it's just never recommended to hook up with your landlord. Mm-hmm. It was like a recipe for disaster. There's already a power dynamic there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. before you yeah. even make a relationship, he's the landlord, you're the tenant. He already has yeah. an just... upper hand in that power dynamic. For the past few weeks before the disappearance, Rupali and Surendra were having arguments and tense interactions. It was Surendra's 23rd birthday on May 11th, and a boisterous party was underway on his farm. Rupali went with her sister and cousin to Surendra's farm when she couldn't get hold of him on the phone. There, they had a huge fight about marriage. Rupali was getting impatient and frustrated with Surendra's treatment of their relationship. He would publicly hide it, although not from his sidekicks and friends. They all knew who Rupali was. But they also knew that Surendra was simply using her. I don't like him. She had now become the other woman because Surendra had recently secretly gotten engaged. Well, secretly in the sense Rupali didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. He had gotten engaged to another woman from his community, which is such a common trope in India. Cowards who cannot face their family and stand up for themselves agree to marry whatever girl is put before them. It was growing increasingly clear to Rupali that Surendra had never seen her as anything other than a woman to exploit. Now, despite years of them being together, he had gotten engaged and was now going to get married to another woman, while Rupali would be left in the lurch. Hell had no fury like a woman scorned. I mean, I'm hoping that she's about to murder him and his whole family, but I... I feel like I know the answer is not that. Rupali was furious. She went to Surendra's birthday party and snatched his phone to check his messages. What she read must have been devastating and heartbreaking for her. She must have seen lovey-dovey messages between Surendra and his fiancée. It must have become clear to Rupali that her relationship was coming to an ugly end. And the realization of just how deceitful Surendra had been and may have started to take shape. A complex mix of emotions, sadness and rage made Rupali do something really, really stupid. She opened up a fake Instagram account using Surendra's fiancé's picture and name. She then put out a post giving out her number and writing that she was open for relationships with one and all. Eesh, that's that's a that's a Leo move. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't do that, man. <sighs> Maybe that's more of an Aries move. 
There's some fire in that, yeah, Ugh. for sure. This is an awful move on Rupali's part. But let's be honest, millions of people have done dumb shit like this after a breakup. For sure, yeah. Typically, you'd go scream at whoever's done this, warn them, and walk off, right? Mm-hmm. You know, emotions run wild. You do dumb shit. You get over it. Well, Surendra did something different. He instead chose to take full advantage of his privileged station that gave him the confidence to eradicate Rupali. He probably had seen or heard of plenty of tales of his community ruling over and doing what they pleased with Adivasis. He thought he could get away with it potentially. And so he made a plan. Not alone, but along with his trusted lackeys who did all the grueling manual labor to eliminate Rupali from Surendra's life. There were small pits dug on his farm to install a transformer. Surendra's crew dug these pits further to a depth of 8 feet. Then, two days later, on May 13th, Surendra messaged Rupali to come and talk to him and resolve their problems. Rupali took off for his farm at once, along with her 14-year-old cousin, Bhavan. When they got there, Surendra took Rupali into a building while his friends pulled away Pawan to the side. They told him to wait while the couple talked things over. Allegedly, at this time, Surendra told Rupali the game was up, and then he started to hit her. A retaliation for her existence, for being a thorn in his side, despite him being the deceptive, lying manipulator in this story. How dare Rupali think she had the right to question him and ask for acknowledgement? And how dare she humiliate his fiancé? Surendra brutally hit Rupali on the head and knocked her down. Then he strangled her till the last breath left her body. Rupali was dead. Was that the plan? Yes, that was the plan. Like, why do you have to berate someone? Just, if you're going to murder them, like, shut up and do it. Ideally, don't do it. But like, why? What? What? What is he getting from like abusing her? I guess he's like working himself up into it or something. It's arrogance and ego having control over her, as if she were his employee, his property, something that he had full rights over. So he wanted her to know that. Outside, Pawan was told that Rupali had tried to kill herself and he should run and fetch her mother Mamtabai at once. A panicked Pawan ran home and got Mamtabai, taken to Rupali's body while Pawan was sent back home to go fetch his sisters and some extra clothes for the hospital trip. A nervous Pawan ran back home one more time to go get his cousin 14-year-old Divya and his own sister 15-year-old Puja. One by one, Mamtabai, Divya, Puja, and Pawan were taken in, hit on the head, and then strangled to death by Surendra and his gang of criminals. Five people killed in a matter of minutes, three of which were still minors, practically kids. I feel really bad for Pawan because he didn't realize that he was basically bringing his whole family to this guy to be murdered. And can you just imagine what he must be feeling this whole time? Like your beloved sister, like your cousin has tried to kill herself. Like he doesn't know if she's dead or alive. Like he must be panicking and hyperventilating and running to go fetch Mamtabai. And now he has to tell her what's happened. Like he, he went through it. 
Yeah. Before he was murdered himself. Then Surendra and his accomplices dumped the bodies into the deep pits that the men had dug. These pits were lined with urea and salt. Urea is actually a fertilizer. It is highly caustic, acidic, and will practically melt away tissue. This is a trick Surendra had seen on a crime TV show. Okay. This would hasten body decomposition. Then they filled in the pits with earth and went about their lives, problem-free and with seemingly no stain on their conscience. It's people like this, I don't know. You have to imagine that it's not their first time doing it or being around it. Or yes, or being around it, hearing tales of it, thinking this is normal and okay. Normal, yeah. You can tell this, this is a systemic problem. People like him have dealt with it in this fashion for thousands of years. For two days, Rupali's sister, Bharti, and Uncle Santosh were concerned when they couldn't get in touch with anyone from their family. And all phones were switched off. And so they came home to Nemawar and were shocked when they found it completely empty. The door was locked and nothing inside was missing. All valuables, clothes, etc. were still at home. Pooja and Pawan's mother, Neetu, was sick with worry as her two children were missing and no one knew where they had gone. Now Bharti registered a missing person's case within days and despite cell phone records showing that Rupali had last called Surendra and had been talking and messaging with Surendra Chauhan for months and years, he wasn't questioned or even brought in for interrogation. This is uh, definitely odd. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to ask if, if this is where the like strange messages were coming. These were the strange messages or was it something mm-hmm. else? Yes. Okay. A couple days later, a strange message was sent from Rupali's phone to Bharti's phone. It said that they had all moved to a different city and she, that is Rupali, had gotten secretly married to a man called Rahul. Then a message was sent that Rupali was getting Pooja, which is the 15-year-old cousin, married off soon as well, like in days. And the mother of Pooja and Pawan, Neetu, she registered a case of kidnapping against Rupali on May 26th, which is weeks after the disappearance. Now, even if she knows that Rupali isn't actually doing all of this, sometimes you would lodge a case like this just to get the cops moving and looking into it. Yeah, yeah. A missing person's case may not be looked into much, but a kidnapping case involving two minor kids might be. Mm. And with like more substantial suspects, even if the suspect is not actually a suspect at all. It's just like give something the police a little less work for them to think they have to do. Bharti said to Indian Express, which is one of the main sources for today's story, I knew the messages were not by Rupali, as the language and words were not hers. Yeah. Then Bharti urged the police to check a rented room in the town of Harda, where Rupali had stayed sometimes. The police went there with Bharti. Strangely, Surendra also went along with them. And Surendra had actually been accompanying police at a lot of their trips when they were trying to investigate Mm. the case. He had been going along with them. Wow. 
the balls on him as her friend the landlord of that room confirmed that rupali had rented the room for more than a year and upon seeing surender he pointed to him and said hey that is rupali's husband uh oh the couple had secretly been using that room to spend time together for months perhaps years and surender had told the landlord that he and rupali were married So now the police know about Rupali and Surendra's relationship, right? They know uh-huh. that they were serious enough to do this thing. Yeah, it should be easy work now, right? The last call being made was from Surendra. And yet they did not take him in for questioning. In any other case, you'd expect and typically see that happening, but not here. Now, I can't say if their lack of investigation was intentional or just a proof of their incompetence, but it is certainly questionable. Yeah. No question about that. Cops said that they were super busy tracking Rupali's phone because it kept popping up in different cities, sometimes in Bhopal, sometimes in a sex trafficking district in Khandwa. It was all too much work for these poor guys, so they didn't interrogate him. Then when her phone activated in a place called Chorul a popular picnic spot they got suspicious because if Rupali was in hiding why would she go on a picnic what a clincher yeah yeah <laughs> in Chorul the cops traced the phone and caught Surendra's friend Rakesh Nimore with Rupali's phone that's when they say they decided it was a case of foul play and so they began rounding up rupali's acquaintances and surendra's acquaintances finally they spoke to surendra who said he hadn't seen rupali in 6 months uh-huh. despite conflicting testimonies from people having seen rupali on his birthday at the farm an informer discreetly let the police know that surendra's brother virendra had said some incriminating things when he was drunk He had said that the police will never ever find Rupali where she lay. The police started to put pressure on the employees of Surendra's family and finally one of the workers led them to the spot on the farm where the bodies had been buried 2 months ago. The remains were discovered. They had been stripped, their clothes burnt, and they had several wounds on their bodies alluding to being attacked with sharpened weapons. The chief minister of Madhya Pradesh announced a monetary compensation of 41 lakh rupees to the victim's family. However, Bharti didn't care about this money. She wanted justice. After many protests by local tribal advocates and political groups that look out for the well-being of the Adivasi communities, the police arrested Surendra and five of his accomplices: Virendra, his brother, Rajkumar Kheer, Vivek Tiwari, Karan and Manoj Korku and Rakesh Nimore about allegations of lapses in the investigation the inspector general of Ujjain Yogesh Deshmukh said it was a tough case with attempts till the very end to deviate police before arresting anyone police needs to have concrete evidence and that's why it took them a little time i don't disagree with them but i guess the people in the community had seen crimes like this go unpunished in the past mm-hmm. and so they were probably apprehensive and anxious about whether they would see the criminals 
Brought to justice. Brought to justice, yeah. Hmm. The chief minister asked for a CBI probe, which is the Central Bureau of Investigation, which is an elite federal agency, to ensure swift and unbiased justice. CBI affirmed the arrests and confirmed their conclusion of the involvement of all the accused in the murders of Rupali and her family. The case is still being tried in courts, so we do not have a verdict or sentences just yet. It's only a couple years old, and Indian court systems can sometimes take decades, depending yeah. on who's trying the case, how much money is going to mm-hmm. private lawyers to put pressure on the judicial system. We need to keep the pressure up, keep the case in public memory so that it isn't forgotten and the culprits do not get away with lesser charges or smaller sentences. And this is why I picked the case today. It is puzzling to me why this crime was committed. It's not really like she could have done anything to legitimately threaten his position in life. Just probably embarrassment, right? It must have been very trivial for him to plan and execute this. Like, it wasn't too big of a deal in his mind. Like, oh, she's a thorn in my side. Let me just kill five people to get rid of my problem. And like, why are we killing the whole family? It just seems really exaggerated and excessive for like what the situation was. Like, he could have as easily sent her away, you know? Hmm. Yeah. But it's kind of like maybe that's where the whole cast, you know, poison sets in is that people think, oh, they don't think of other people as humans. They think, oh, if you're beneath me, I can do whatever I want with you. And if you push me, I'm going to push you under the ground. (laughs) Exactly. I think that definitely had an influence on this case. Like, we can speculate all we want that maybe he was just so enraged that he did this, but no, I think there is that undertone of him feeling like he was wronged unjustly, like he should never have been questioned and his honor and pride and his family name How dare Rupali try and humiliate him? Yeah. I I definitely think that played into this case. And I feel like what may have happened, I'm purely speculating here. But like we mentioned earlier, like when you falsely string along someone with the promise of marriage and enter into any kind of physical relationship with them, and you then don't marry them, it can be considered rape in India under Section 375 of the Indian Penal Code. Right. And judges weigh every case carefully. They don't simply punish men after nasty breakups in most cases. They have to take into consideration the financial and social situations of the victim and whether the man had malicious intent right from the start. Mm Mm-hmm. If he had cheated her or cheated on her intentionally, and if the victim was mature enough to understand that she was being exploited intentionally. So it sounds ridiculous to most of us living urban lives, but this law was created for cases exactly like Rupali's. Yeah, I mean, with the amount of like sexual exploitation and trafficking and 
mm-hmm. abuse that happens, part of me kind of thinks that like the rest of the world could actually learn something from this kind of law and legislation. Again, it's like a pretty also extreme definition of the word rape True. for people who have gone through real assault mm-hmm. might not appreciate it being equivocated that way but it's a tricky topic to talk about and I'm a little afraid because I don't really know enough to make any like you know brash opinions but I feel like maybe in India it's the kind of law that's needed where we have a different you know cultural approach to sexuality to relationships there is this like socioeconomic structure that's so old and it teaches people to approach relationships and other people in a specific way not that in other places there aren't messed up ways of treating people like every every place in the world has its own special flavor of horribleness but yeah but here there are also consequences for the victim yeah a person maliciously lying to someone and saying oh we're gonna get married knowing full well that they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And especially in this case, yeah. got engaged to another person. Rupali didn't know about it. So he knew full well that he's going to be marrying another woman. And he still continued to have relations with Rupali. That is deceit. At that point, it is proven. It is deceitful. Yeah. And it has like many consequences and impacts on her life. Like it can ruin her life. He probably had ruined her life. Yeah. And maybe instead of trying to fix it in a like any sort of reasonable way, he just tried to sweep it under the rug and bury her. Right. He wanted to start his life fresh. You know, he didn't want any skeletons in his closet. So he put the skeletons under his farm where he would probably be walking around for the rest of his life. So creepy. And so I think maybe perhaps this was at the back of his mind or that he might be accused of rape under Section 375. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what what drove him. We can only speculate on all of these different factors that may have played a part in this horrific crime. What I read in some of the articles was that Rupali and Surendra's relationship was known to her family. Mm, okay. His family may not have known about it, but her family did know Just about it. Just all of it. his friends. All of his friends knew, like, oh, yeah, this is that girl. Yeah, this is that girl that, you know, he's messing around with. Her family knew about it. And they, along with her, were pressuring him to, to get married because that's what they had talked about. And that's what would make the whole relationship acceptable, too, probably, right? And that's why probably he killed all of them. So no one's left to complain about him and Rupali and their marriage and blah, blah, blah. And maybe he thought that if five people go missing, the rest of the family will keep their mouth shut, forget about it, or be intimidated into not pursuing the matter further. Mm -hmm. But that's not what happened because Bharti Kaste took it upon herself. And I'm sure... At some point, her life must have been in danger, but she risked her life and risked her safety to demand justice for her family. And there is a lot of political bullshit that went on 
in the background of this case, which I don't want to discuss and dissect too much. Yeah. But it did happen. It happens in every criminal case like this. There are right-wing groups and then there are other groups and they're always clashing and they take up these points just uh, as an excuse to fight and blame each other and point right. fingers at each other. But they also protect their own. And so that may have had some influence on the delayed investigation of this case. However, it's not too bad. He was arrested within a couple months. It's not like he's still out there. Yeah, I guess that's the good thing is they couldn't avoid. He did such a shit job that at some point they couldn't avoid but to arrest him. Yes. And and thankfully, at least so far, the political parties or whoever are the power players in that area have not prevented Taking the out. arrests. Yeah or messed with the case. It remains to be seen. We haven't seen a verdict. Yeah. <laughs> we have to see so, where it goes. <laughs> we have to see where it goes. And I hope the cops have done a good job of collecting all the evidence and testimonies and are able to prosecute this till the end. So We should do a where have. are they now episode in like a year or two and just follow up on all of our pending cases because I feel like they're stacking up a bit. <laughs> yeah maybe in one of our episodes of masala news we'll do like uh, yeah where are they now <laughs> how, how many how many criminals that we cover are now out on the streets all right um this brings us to the end of the case and we can move on to bollywood corner thanks for that pia mm-hmm. um interesting one both of the movies today that I will recommend are very serious movies and more like tragic dramas, not really entertainment at all. But I thought they were important for people who wanted to get a glimpse into this aspect of society in, in India. So they both have strains of caste-based opposition and violence. Um, one movie more than the other. The first recommendation is of a Marathi language movie from the state of Maharashtra. The movie is called Seirat. It means wild. It is a 2016 Marathi language romantic tragedy film. And the plot of the movie is forbidden love, <laughs> like we've been talking okay. about. Yeah. Where the male lead, Prashant, is from a lower caste his father is a fisherman and although he's doing really well in school and you know just turning into a bright young man that caste factor always dangles above his head and he falls in love with a girl from a higher caste and the two of them are completely head over heels in love obviously they don't care about these archaic systems and they try to convince their families to let them get married and live peacefully but it doesn't happen they have to run away they have to elope live in secret live away from their family and the ending is very tragic i don't want to give it away but it shows you that no matter how much time has passed to some people this is an unforgivable crime to overstep that boundary yeah. Of cast. Check it out. It's called Serat. The second movie is called Masan, which means cemetery 
or Cremation Ground. Now, this is a really good movie, and it's not predominantly about caste, um, but it does show you an aspect of it and how it is treated in some parts of the country. It is actually a movie about sorrow, about dealing with tragedy, and redemption, really, in the end. So, yeah, it's not about cast, but, you know, they'll show you a little part of it. I thought it was a really thought-provoking, somber movie. And um, the, the plot is too complex for me to spell it out right here, but take a look at it. It's called Masan. And I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. <laughs> You'll find it. You'll find it. Yeah. You'll find it. Use your sleuthing resources. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those are my two recommendations for today. Cool. Serat and Masan. All right. Awesome. So um yeah, well, on a completely unrelated note, I recently watched the the new season of Black Mirror. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Yep, we binge watched it, the whole thing. The last episode. Yeah, I'm so happy to see a Daisy person on TV. Me too. Like, I was happy that they did it this way, but also kind of wishing that they had brought some more Indianness into it. But they totally, like, took her down this weird, like, satanic adventure. But I loved the ending. I thought it was so funny. The season overall is good. I enjoyed it. But the last episode left me with a big old creepy smile on my face. It combined many of my favorite things. (laughs) The apocalypse, that song about Rasputin. Mm-hmm. A pretty Indian and Satanism. So and biryani. Just... That was biryani in that episode. And biryani. <laughs> yeah, I found it interesting that they didn't really explore her Indianness too much. But you know what? That might be the actual experience of a lot of people who live outside of the country. Yeah. Maybe there is a loss of culture over generations. I mean, you're talking to it right now. <laughs> Like, You're I level one. That. Yeah. You're level one, Alex. Ground zero for that. Yeah. If you have kids, you know, if you ever make the mistake and if you ever have kids, <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll be like level two loss of culture. So it can yeah. happen intentionally or, or unintentionally. And maybe that's what they wanted to focus on. Like, she's yeah. not an Indian. She happens to be of Indian origin and things are happening to her. Which is fine. I guess ultimately I did like that they, you know, didn't go the cliche route of having it be some like Indian demon or like, you know, just because she's Indian, it has to be like an Indian thing. They just went, you know, crazy with it, honestly. Yeah. Horned goat <laughs> type of demon. Oh, it was so good. Um. All right. Anything else you wanted to talk about, Alex? You want to tell people to do the thing? Yeah, um, you know, you guys, if you like what you hear, there are many things that you can do to show us your love and support or appreciation. Yeah, what else? And if you don't, <laughs> well, see ya. <laughs> see you never. <laughs> um, follow us on Instagram. We post updates on episodes and, you know, give details about the episodes and the cases there. Um, if you enjoy what we do and you want to support us, you could um, become a Patreon visiting by visiting our website. I think 
crimesfromtheeast.com. You can follow it there. I don't know if there's a link on the Instagram as well to our Patreon, but... There is a link to our website and... Which links to the Patreon and all of the other things there. We also accept coffees and... There are many ways to support us there. Um, And then, you know, if you can leave us a good review or give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts, every little, every little show of likingness helps. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Patreon and Buy Me a Coffee are great if you're able to afford it. If you're struggling out there, if you're a young student or if you're trying to budget for something, you know, don't don't bother, please. I I don't want you to yeah. like have to think about this really hard. It's only if it is financially smart of you to send Feasible. a couple bucks our yeah. way, do it. But I would be so thrilled if you could do those free things that Alex mentioned. All yeah. of that costs nothing. It costs zero rupees or zero dollars <laughs> to like and share. Like we did this live last week and it was just mm-hmm. so cool to hear from people who listen to us because normally it's us talking to each other into a void and yeah. like getting feedback <laughs> is just so cool it's weird and it was so funny someone said that they listen to us at work and they pretend it's music <laughs> they pretend they're listening to music <laughs> when they're actually listening to like murder stories <laughs> i find that so funny because yeah, I, so I used to do exactly that same i still do that i just don't work in an office anymore so it doesn't <laughs> matter but yeah like back in 2006 2007 there was no podcast then but i used to listen to audio books there were like audio yeah. stories from bbc i used to listen to those mm-hmm. like hercule poirot i was browsing like murderpedia the whole day <laughs> just one case after the next googling like are there any updates about east area rapist or jack the ripper or you know what's happening in india like that's all i would google the whole day i'm sure like the it admins were like what the hell what is this lady doing who is this disturbed person back when i worked in new york there was a day where i just had do you remember that hbo docuseries the jinx Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just like low-key watching the whole thing throughout my work day. And anytime someone came up behind me, I had to do the like tap on the, the keyboard really fast and disappear <laughs> the window and pretend to be working. ASDFGH, ASDFGH, <laughs> like <laughs> just type nonsense. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, another one in the bag. Tough case, but. Yeah. Definitely has those cultural flavors that, you know, yeah. we talk about bringing to the podcast world. So we need to cast away the caste system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good one, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, everyone share this case. Well, all right. Well, that's about it. Follow us, share us and uh, join us for another episode of Crimes from the East. Your Favorite. Let me say <laughs> your, your favorite they see podcast with a little masala, masala and skunk spice. spice. <laughs> yeah, my daughter would say skunk for the little one who's obsessed with skunks for some reason. Okay, bye. Namaste. <laughs>